This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chuelin. First up this hour, the call for a mechanism to compensate victims of scams. And then on today on Twitter, is working for a startup all it's cracked up to be? Send your thoughts our way. You can call 77332900. You can WhatsApp or voice note us at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. All this coming up on the Evening Edition. It's 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up, a call from the opposition for clear procedures to compensate the victims of scams. Yep. So they are saying that we should be taking Singapore as an example in this issue. And this came up yesterday from PKR Information Chief Fami Fadzil, who's also going to be our guest shortly, who said that relevant laws need to be revised to help these victims. Now, he said this at a press conference that was aimed at highlighting the state of a 36-year-old hairstylist from who had lost almost 50,000 ringgit after his money was transferred from his bank account without permission. So uh, a few things have been um, proposed in this, and and we'll get into more detail later, but they include uh, for all financial institutions to publish annual reports on the amount of scam call cases they come across, the losses they encounter every year. Um, He also said that the amount of the losses should be stated um, according to the police reports that have been lodged, so that shareholders and the public can be aware of the situation at each bank or e-wallet, which would then help them to make an informed decision about, you know, essentially which kind of which service provider they would prefer. So you referenced Singapore earlier. Um, Fami also mentioned the Malaysia Deposit Insurance Corporation Act, which provides insurance as well as compensation for savings affected by scammers. Uh, So that's, of course, one mechanism under which something like this could have been done. Uh, But really, I think it's important to be having these conversations because we are hearing so many people, um, you know, multiple ways, um, losing life savings, um, being taken in by these scams. And I think part of the challenge is that the whole um, process of it is so opaque. It also happens in so many different ways. And we talk about it here all the time, you know, we do shows on scams. um, And the struggle to talk about um, all the different ways in which you could be taken in um, and all the different ways in which this manifests, it's mind boggling. And I think that there needs to be more security for the people at the receiving end of these. While acknowledging that So it's a few things, right? It's acknowledging that the scams are dynamic, that the ways in which things are happening are changing very quickly, that they're continuously adapting to not just new technologies, but new ways of doing things. Uh, NFT-based scams, for example, are now very common. So that's important. But I, I think that if there are going to be mechanisms here, that there should also be an acknowledgement that they need to be clear and accessible because you are going to be dealing with people from a diverse, from from very different sorts of backgrounds, um, and you're going to be de- dealing with people who are upset, and that therefore these mechanisms need to be very, very accessible and immediate, right? Like if something has happened to me in my bank account, I need to know right away where to go and who is going to be responding to me. 
And that I'm not going to be given the runaround or be told exactly. to fill 40 forms that I'm not quite sure what's, what I'm doing. Um, we are talking about a call from the opposition for clear procedures to compensate victims of scams. And we will be speaking about that very shortly with Fami Fazil, who is the MP for Lembapantai as well as the Information Chief for PKR. Uh, but do let us know what kind of compensation would be fair and whose responsibility should it be. You can call 777 send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we're talking about a call for compensation uh, towards victims of scams. Um, and we'd like to hear from you. What kind, of compensa- what kind of compensation would be fair? Whose responsibility should that be? Call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Fami Fazil, MP for Limba Pantai, as well as PKR Information Chief, Fami, good to have you with us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Could you talk to us about the people you've been in contact with and the types of scams that they have been victims of? Yeah, uh, for for PKR, we've uh, initiated a scam victim support group. And uh, so far, more than 30 people uh, have come forward to uh, provide us with some info. We had a meeting yesterday and there are many, 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 many different types of scams out there. My mom herself was a scam victim. She lost 75,000 ringgit from her Tabung Haji account. And it was one of those calls saying that they're from Bukit Aman and she fell hook, line, line and sinker. Mind you, she's a PTD officer, a former senior civil servant. So if you can imagine, former senior civil servant, all sorts of uh, situations. And uh, we've we've met some of the people who uh, they clicked on a link and then downloaded something which they didn't know, and it was malware that eventually led them to uh, lose access to and control of their um, whatever uh, portals or accounts that they had, and they lost money that way. There was one person who actually had a fixed deposit instrument where the terms and conditions of of this uh, fixed deposit said. Only if you go to the bank can you withdraw. But this person lost it uh, through some kind of online transaction. So there, there are many, many different types of scams out there, uh, which is why one of the things I am asking for is uh, we need better regulation. Banks can do a lot more, I feel, and some kind of compensation scheme for victims. So at the moment, what avenues exist for people to recover their funds? Um, right now, actually, there is what's known as the Ombudsman for Financial Services, the OFS. And there are a number of things that can be done. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to uh, certain online transactions, there is a limit to what they can do uh, in terms of the losses that you've incurred. And right now, that limit is set at 25,000 ringgit. Uh, a lot of cases that I have encountered, uh, the scale could reach hundreds of thousands of ringgit. Uh, some are 50,000. So that threshold is a bit too low at the moment. Um, so that is one avenue. Uh, another is to engage with the banks themselves or to contact Bank Negara Malaysia. Uh, I have referred some cases directly to BNM, uh, but we have not yet seen uh, the outcome. And right now, in Malaysia, within our jurisdiction, uh, 
I, I don't think there are many cases yet where, at least none that I've encountered, where people have been uh, fully compensated or uh, with the exception of certain maybe outlier cases. And that, that, of course, is in terms of recovery. But what about in terms of compensation? Do we have any existing systems at all that could allow for victims to be compensated for their losses? Uh, at the moment, not that I'm aware of. Uh, which is why uh, I am asking for a review of uh, the Act uh, over PIDM, which governs our uh, insurance for deposits, as well as the Financial Services Act to increase the limit uh, for ombudsmen to uh, look at uh, online financial online transactions and scams, uh, so that it's higher than twenty-five thousand. But there is currently no recovery fund. Uh, as as uh, how how I understand it, and what I mean by that is when we refer to the Monetary Authority of Singapore, uh, since the start of the year, uh, they have uh, announced that there is a roadmap they are working towards, and by the time they get to October, there will be some kind of um, shared responsibility scheme where the onus is not only on. Uh, the users who who may have uh, accidentally pressed something or given away some information, um, thinking that it's somebody else, but the banks also play an important role. Uh, the, the reason I think it's important to think about this is online financial transactions, imagine a highway and you're going from point A to point B. The highway is built by the banks yeah, because for you to send money this way or that, there is a cliff at one point, where 20,000 people fall off that cliff every year due to scams. And they lose collectively every year an average of 660 million ringgit. Every day, 60 people become scam victims and they lose, on average, a day, 2 million ringgit. As such, my argument is that the onus should not only be on the users of that financial highway, but also on the people who build that highway to have sufficient safeguards, for example, PACs, SMSs, that may not be sufficient anymore. It must be somehow tied to the devices that we regularly use as uh, account holders uh, and uh, a whole host of other things. I know BNM is in the midst of uh, considering a range of activities, but I think it has to happen much faster. In an hour, every hour that passes, about two to three people become victims of scams and they lose on average per person about 30,000 ringgit. We have a question from a listener, Ron, who says, what about enforcement? I don't think there is any law to catch scammers, um, which is why they're at large without issue. What do we have right now in terms of law or policy? Yeah, this is, this is the question that I think every time uh, lawmakers raise in parliament or ask uh, particularly the Minister of uh, Home Affairs, we get a general answer, which is, um, say, in a year, maybe about 16 16,000 people get sent to court. But most of them are actually mule account holders. They're not necessarily the people who make the scam calls or the people who are the masterminds. These people are still at large. These people are still uh, they're applying their trade, uh, you know, and, and, and they're still free to, to scam people. There is some question whether the activities are taking place in Malaysia or whether it's also happening abroad. Uh, so this is something which um, the re relevant ministers need to clarify. Uh, I think uh, the minister in charge of communications gave an indication that uh, some of the scam activities might involve extra judiciary, uh, 
places outside of Malaysia, whether within ASEAN or um, somewhere else, because uh, I think we, we don't have enough information at the moment. So right now, we are catching people, but we're not catching, we're, we're catching small fry, we're catching the ikan bilis. We want to catch the sharks. You know, these are the people who are masterminding uh, everything. That's not happening right now. So how can we ensure that the banks, the telcos and the government are all actually working together to protect people? I think we need to have a, a physical uh, one-stop shop, uh, a one-stop centre, uh, a multi-agency uh, a kind of centre. It can be based with, for example, BNM at Bank Negara. Uh, but right now, there are a lot of areas where there needs to be more work. For example... Uh, I know that in my mom's case, when she lost her 75000 the investigating officer had difficulty getting the uh, bank statements from the bank, even though they are empowered to do so. So having a one-stop centre in a place like Bank Negara Malaysia, with enough political will from the Minister of Home Affairs, Minister of Communications, Minister of Finance, and even the Prime Minister himself, would send the right message that all of these agencies have a big role to play. 660 million ringgit. Every year, that's a lot of money. This is our savings, and it can happen to anyone. So I'd like to follow up on that, right? How important, because I I do think that a theme is coming through here, partly of ease and accessibility. Um, How important is it for these mechanisms to be clear and clearly accessible, considering that we're talking about diverse groups of people who do fall prey, and also people who at this point may be uh, really emotionally affected by what's happened to them? Yeah, I think a lot of people um, may not be aware. Of course, right now, by now, more and more people are. Uh, I, I don't have any statistic on hand to say what is the level of awareness among ordinary Malaysians um, and, and from different states. Uh, it, 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 like yesterday, we had a guy who was a hairdresser and he lost 50,000 ringgit, right? And, and uh, last month, we had somebody who was a mechanic who lost 13,000 ringgit of his EPF uh, savings, right, which he withdrew. So it's a whole range of people. And I don't know whether there is enough information going out. And like I said, the onus should not only be on us, but rather those who build and maintain that financial highway to stop the cliff from, you know, like people falling off that cliff. So it could be a hard barrier, meaning like, okay, right now the exploit is SMS, uh, TAC. So just, just cut that off. Have, have some kind of uh, short circuit because it, it, it's a whole range of people uh, and anyone can fall prey. One very important part to this, which I think we are only beginning to peel, it's kind of like an onion and you're peeling and peeling and peeling and you see just how deep this, this rabbit hole or this onion is, how big the onion is, um, you're seeing inside of it. Ultimately, it's about data protection. We don't know how they knew that my mom had 75,000 ringgit in her tabung haji. They can't, they can't call you, for example, to, to ask you about your tabung haji. I, I don't know whether you have one, right? So how do they know where to start phishing, where to start scamming people? So that is a, a huge piece of the puzzle. And if this one-stop center has a clue, they can shut down that, that operation. They can shut down that hole. But I feel... We need to send a very clear message. Some of the big fish, some of the big sharks have to be brought to book 
and we have to completely disrupt the operations of these scammers. Ah, so speaking of data protection, we do have a question from Bernard uh, saying, uh, are there sites in Malaysia that report data leaks such as what we saw with the NRD or with IP88 so that uh, the public can check? And if there isn't, how about creating one for the public? Yeah, this is one of the huge shortcoming of the Personal Data Protection Act 2010, and which is why in Parliament I have been calling asking for it to be expedited amendments to this act, uh, but it is rather um, slow yeah, in, in, in uh, progress. Uh, the minister in charge of communications has said that uh, by October, the next session of parliament, um, he will be bringing this. We don't know how extensive uh, Data Protection Act amendments will be. Uh, there were 20 questions raised by MCMC in a public consultation paper in February of 2020 which includes, for example, um, appointment of a data officer for any organization that intends to process, hold on to data in order to make sure that you have somebody responsible for this data protection. Uh, having a, a registry, first and foremost, means that there must be adequate um, disclosure uh, about uh, data infringement or, or uh, data theft. Uh, we saw, for example, how IP88, uh, only on the 11th or 12th of August of this year, said that on the 31st of May, some 70 over days earlier, they had uh, what they called um, a security incident, a yeah, cybersecurity incident. It was only 70 days later that IP88 actually came out to say that they have this, this issue. Should that be the SOP? 70 days later? 100 days later? Or should it be immediately? because we don't know what has happened uh, in, in that time. So this mandatory, um, mandatory notice or notification that must be given by any organization holding data is something that needs to be amended in the law, in the, in the Personal Data Protection Act. And I hope this amendment is in the minister's uh, bill, uh, in, which is supposed to come in October. So I guess a question that might come up is that of fair compensation, right? When we talk about things like compensation and recovery, what are we actually talking about? What would be considered fair and, and our due? If you were to ask me, the entire basis of scam transactions is the word scam. That there was malicious intent to defraud. And that malicious intent actually technically, to me at least, renders that transaction uh, morally uh, I wouldn't say dubious, you know, it, it should be cancelled. Yeah. If when we use uh, credit cards, for example, there is a mechanism where I'm in KL, there's some transaction happening in New York, buying a Birkin bag, for example, <laughs> in, on Fifth <laughs> Avenue, um, and I'm, I'm obviously not there, right? So the bank immediately calls me and I say, no, no, I'm here in KL. You're calling me. I'm in KL. That's not me. They immediately cancel the trans transaction and I don't get billed for that. To me, if we can have some kind of mechanism that is similar to, or if not better than, what we have for credit cards, of course, with credit cards, there is an escrow. I mean, there's a kind of like a, a hold-on period before they release the money. Maybe that's what they need to do for transactions that are irregular. Uh, what we're seeing is a lot of the high uh, amount, large amount uh, scam transactions 
Like my mom, she lost 75,000 ringgit in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 25,000 at a go. And the bank never bothered to call her once. Bank Islam, I will say it on the air, right? Bank Islam never bothered to call her once. Whereas, like, for me as an MP, when I write a check, the bank, my bank, May Bank, will call me and say, YB, is it true uh, that you uh, signed this check? And they say, yeah, yeah, it's me. So you banks should be able to tell outlier transactions. If this person has been spending, you know, um, uh, you know, this, this, this is their online transaction activity, a regular online transaction activity, they should amend their risk rules Banks should amend their risk rules to take into consideration these outlier and irregular uh, online transaction activities. Flag them, contact the, the uh, account holder, and confirm, is it true you sent this uh, amount to this person? Is it true? If the fact that we're losing 660 million ringgit of people's hard-earned savings every year does not move the banks to some kind of action. And it's been happening every year, yeah? This is based on data collected since 2017. Every year, where's the money going, right? We don't know. So to me, having this kind of mechanism is, would be ideal. And so you wouldn't even have to be compensated in, in a sense because the transaction didn't go through. That, to me, would be the best. We have just about 30 seconds left. Um, in closing, what would you like to see done? If you could give us a quick summary. First, Bank Negara Malaysia should initiate, uh, announce immediately that it is forming a one-stop shop, a one-stop centre involving all agencies, AGC, PDRM, MCMC, every, you know, ABM, IBIM, yeah, all in one place to deal with this scam scourge that we are facing right now. Fami, thanks for speaking with us today. We were speaking with Fami Fazil, the uh, MP for Lemba Pantai, as well as PKR Information Chief. And um, he's been talking to us about compensation, fair compensation for scam victims. Let us know um, whose responsibility should that be? What kind of compensation would be fair? You can call us double seven double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp or send us a voice note at 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.